This is Start Making Sense, the weekly podcast of The Nation magazine, and I'm John Wiener. Maybe you heard the news. On Tuesday, Donald Trump surrendered to the Manhattan DA, who charged him with 34 counts of falsifying business records and conspiracy involving hush money payments to two women. Trump entered a plea of not guilty. For comment, we turn to Chris Lehman. He's the nation's D.C. bureau chief. He was formerly editor of The Baffler and The New Republic. We reached him today in our nation's capital. Chris, welcome back. Uh, Always a pleasure, John. Happy to be here, especially on what could be an auspicious occasion. So what will be the political consequences of Trump's charges in the coming trial? Seems to me there's three possibilities. Trump has been saying it's going to help him with his base and make it easier for him to win the Republican nomination. That, of course, would be good for us because polls show right now, at least, that Biden would do better running against Trump than against Ron DeSantis. And Trump, of course, already lost to Biden by 7 million votes. The second possibility is that it won't help Trump win the nomination, that Republicans now may say, The indictment is political and unfair, but a lot of them are going to conclude that they'd be better off in the general election with a different candidate who would support the same things Trump would do as president, but whose personal issues and problems won't dominate uh, everything. Of course, if the indictment doesn't help Trump win the nomination, that could be bad for us since DeSantis would be a stronger candidate. And the third possibility is that this whole thing doesn't matter People decided what they thought about Trump a long time ago. Trump has always been more popular than DeSantis among Republican voters. He will continue to be. What do you think? Is this going to help or hurt Trump, or is it going to not make much difference? Well, I think it's my position is probably somewhere between option one and option three, as you (laughs) outlined it. Uh, I do think, you know, we've already seen Trump um, sort of rocket up the GOP polls in the wake of first the indictment and now the arraignment. So yeah, it's not going to hurt him with the GOP base, which has long been used to his criminal corrupt behavior and celebrates it. And as to, I think it was the second option that Republicans will somehow wake up from this spell of demented enchantments that's been (laughs) gripping the party for six plus years. There's no evidence I see for that. And after all, let's not forget that you know, the Republicans have had countless opportunities to kick Trump to the curb. Uh, January After January 6th, you know, if I cared at all about the fate of the Republican Party, I would have said that was the time. You, you've got this toxic leader of the party. He has just jeopardized American democracy. He just lost the second major election under Trump's leadership. They also underperformed drastically in the 2022 midterms. By convention, any conventional political calculus, it's time for a reset if you're a Republican. And yet, you know, the larger structural problem is the Republicans know that they have an unpopular governing agenda. No one really wants more tax cuts for the wealthy. No one really wants rampant climate denialism. No one really wants impunity for white collar crime, even, uh, except Trump makes it all seem palatable to the GOP base. As you kind of outlined, it's weird to think that a Trump renomination could be the best of a set of really bad outcomes on the GOP side of things. The, the thing to remember is that at long last, I think 
maybe for the first time in my political lifetime, the Republicans are acting like I'm used to seeing Democrats act. (laughs) They they don't know what to do next. They're kind of feckless. They're in retreat from all sides. So maybe I'm very trepidatious even saying this out loud, but maybe things could get better. Well, we we learned on Tuesday at, at midday that the charges cover not only Stormy Daniels, but also the payoffs to Karen McDougal, which is pretty interesting. This was the catch and kill system where women who reported having had sex with Trump, Karen McDougal was a former Playboy model. The way this would work is the National Enquirer would buy the rights and did buy the rights to her story, paid Karen McDougall $150,000 in exchange for a non-disclosure agreement, an NDA, that they would have the exclusive right to publish this, and then they didn't publish it. They kept it a secret because they support Trump, and nobody else could either. Here's the fascinating part. Trump was supposed to reimburse the inquirer, but he never did. He stiffed them like he did so many of his other creditors. And we know this from Michael Cohen's testimony. He proposed then that when Stormy Daniels came along, that the Inquirer should make the same deal with Stormy Daniels they'd made with Karen McDougal, catch and kill her story. But the owner of the Inquirer, David Pecker, refused, as Michael Cohen explained, quote, stiffing American media, that's the corporation that publishes the Inquirer, meant they weren't going to come to his financial assistance again, close quote. And that's why Michael Cohen had to use his own money and then get reimbursed himself by Trump through these bogus legal fees. And that's where the crime occurred. If Trump had actually reimbursed the Inquirer for paying off Karen McDougal, there would not nothing have happened in court today. Donald Trump at work. Yeah, he is a victim of his own venality, which is a perfect accent point. And it's always important to remember that Donald Trump's political conciliary when he came of age was Roy Cohn, who had exactly the same pattern. There were all kinds of people demanding payment from Roy Cohn, and he just never, never paid. Roy Cohn skirted all kinds of legal actions. Uh, and I'm sure Trump had that model in his mind when he embarked on what is a plainly lunatic <laughs> scheme to create another revenue stream for Stormy Daniels. He just figured out, ah, you know, what are they going to do? Prosecute me? <laughs> so, so here we are. Yeah. It's- I saw a fascinating uh, poll, the Quinnipiac poll found that 62% of Americans believe that the, the, charges against Trump from Manhattan District Attorney Alvin Bragg, quote, mainly motivated by politics. And that included 70% of independents and 29% of Democrats. But the very same poll found that 57% of the same people thought criminal charges should disqualify Trump from running for president again. What do you make of that? (laughs) Someone tweeted in Um, who is covering the scene outside the courtroom, America's transformation into a comments section is complete. (laughs) (laughs) If you're looking for rational through lines, look elsewhere. (laughs) You pointed out at uh, thenation.com 
that while, of course, Trump's real crime was the conspiracy to reverse the 2020 presidential election and mobilizing his forces for a violent coup d'etat, but you pointed out that an offense very much like Trump's payoffs to his sex partners was enough for former Senator John Edwards to face six charges in federal court back in 2008. Trump uh, has been citing the acquittal of John Edwards as part of his own defense. Remind us what the story is here. Well, it was structurally very similar. Um, Edwards arranged Riel Hunter, his pregnant mistress at the time, got somewhere between $900,000 and a million dollars from Edwards's uh, political action committees for his presidential campaign. Ultimately, he was acquitted, but this is where, again, Trump's attention to detail, I think, is wanting. Um, <laughs> okay. Edwards, either deliberately or, you know, haphazardly, was not really in the loop. These were a couple of major donors who decided they just wanted to take care of the problem on his behalf and make it go away. So he did actually have, evidently, deniability in, under these federal charges as someone who just simply didn't know about the financial arrangement. It's pretty clear that Trump knew about these financial arrangements. He directly reimbursed Michael Cohen under the, this phony color of a legal expense, uh, a sum greater. <laughs> he paid Cohen, I think, $420,000 for the $130,000 payoff, which is not something that looks good either from the standpoint of being out of the loop. And why would you pay someone you know, more than three times what they had <laughs> originally arranged to be paid to this person? Because it's a criminal act. <laughs> and the indictment of Michael Cohen says that he right. did this at the behest of individual one. Right, who is so, Donald Trump. Who's Donald Trump. So there's already sworn testimony to that uh, effect. You wrote in The Nation, quote, the shabbiness of the indictment reminds us that Trump is a venal, blame-shifting tub of pathetically thwarted appetites in an ill-fitting power suit, close quote. That is so great, and it is so <laughs> true. I am I am just glad that my editor let me have that. <laughs> but yes. To me, the most disturbing thing about Trump's response here is, is his statement that the Manhattan District Attorney Alvin Bragg was, quote, handpicked and funded by George Soros. What Trump is telling his supporters here is a Jewish billionaire paid a black DA right. to exactly. go after him. And and that description of the DA as Soros-backed was then repeated by Ron DeSantis and yeah. by some Republican leaders of the House and the Senate. It used to be that anti-Semitism was an underground thing uh, on the far right, but now both contenders for the presidential nomination are openly declaring their support for an anti-Semitic conspiracy theory. This is something new in the Republican Party. Well, new-ish. You remember, remember in 2016, uh, Trump retweeted um, gross caricatures of Soros as a classical Jewish figure, you know, with rubbing his hands together, looking, you know, sinister in this very explicit way that goes back centuries in anti-Semitic iconography. So. He, in some senses, was picking up where he left off in 2016. But yeah, it is an absolutely disturbing, and it's it's worth noting here that Soros did not directly fund uh, Alvin Bragg's DA 
uh, candidacy, as he has expressly said. He did back political action committees to support um, progressive district attorneys. And he wrote a, an op-ed in the Rupert Mur Murdoch-owned Wall Street Journal explaining why he was doing it. It's not some you know, big conspiracy. It's not the deep state, you know, singling out Donald Trump for punishment. It's fairly standard um, donor activity. The only thing exceptional is that it was for a somewhat good cause in this case. So. <laughs> I've always been interested in the Republican Jewish coalition. Right. Partly because it's headed by Norm Coleman, the former senator from my home state oh, of Minnesota. I didn't realize you were a native Minnesotan. I'm a native Iowan. So well, and, and so I know a lot about Norm Coleman. Yeah. Also because in the 60s, he was an activist at Yale in SDS. So he sort of went all the way yeah. from yeah. the anti-war radicalism to, to Republican <laughs> senator to head of the Republican Jewish coalition. I looked up what they what they said about this Soros business, because they do say on their website that anti-Semitism is one of their main issues, along with Israel and you know, the other obvious uh, things. Uh, Matt Brooks, executive director of the Republican Jewish Coalition, said last year that it was, quote, not anti-Semitic to highlight Soros and his work and the candidates he supports financially his engagement makes him fair game for criticism to suggest as some do that attacks on Soros or anti-Semitic code words are simply wrong, close quote, the Republican Jewish coalition. So they're saying because he's a Democratic funder, it's OK to criticize his funding. What do you say to that? Well, <laughs> how much time do you have? I, I think, uh, you know, it's uh, it's very clear to anyone with eyes and ears what this messaging is. And it is an effort to send to a white nationalist base already activated behind Trump the message that the deep state and the Jews, who evidently fund everything, are um, out to get you. Um, and this, has, this messaging has resulted in horrific violence over and over again. It's, in my view, disgraceful that Norm Coleman's group doesn't respond as any decent person with eyes and ears would. I have to say at the same time, I'm not terribly shocked or surprised because the right-wing politics, as you said, is now all the way in the gutter and they're they're going to keep hammering away at this. And the elites on the right are complicit as they have been throughout the Trump era. It's disgusting. Of course, evangelical Christians long ago made their peace uh, with, with Trump and are the key component of his base. Uh, as I understand it, their argument is that didn't Jesus say that he among you who has not had sex with Stormy Daniels cast the first <laughs> stone? They, See, you they, joke, you joke. But Marjorie Taylor Greene tweeted today that Jesus Christ was also unjustly arrested. Um, so <laughs> they are actually going there as well. And I explained to you during my QAnon appearance <laughs> yes. this was going to happen and you were skeptical. I don't want to just use it as an <laughs> I told you so moment, but. Trump is continuing to embrace all of that um, martyrdom iconography. He uh, said at the unhinged Waco rally that I think is going to be a preview of the speech he's going to give tonight at Mar-a-Lago, um, that he had been singled out for punishment. And he has also said at rallies that I am your retribution. So it is pretty clear 
what all all of this language and imagery is is tending toward and it's really ugly you spoke with a former justice department prosecutor for the nation uh, who once worked as an intern for manhattan district attorney alvin bragg ankush cartery he told you that quote as far as justice is concerned if what you want for the country is to see donald trump in prison your first order of business should be should be what to ensure that he is not re-elected president or additionally that no republican like ron DeSantis would be elected president because trump would pardon himself DeSantis obviously would would pardon trump um this is a feature of our two-tier justice system that i don't think people are sufficiently aware of that you know maximum executive power operates under conditions of pretty much legal impunity. That's what Trump has been counting on. And I think a lot of the rationale for this, his present run at the presidency is that he knows, not just in New York, but in Georgia, or the the two um, Jack Smith prosecutions now underway at the Justice Department, he is facing a lot of legal blowback at much too late. <laughs> it's It's going to be a different dynamic than he's used to manipulating the civil justice system um, with high-powered, aggressive attorneys hounding journalists and critics um, in in frivolous court actions. The criminal justice system is different, though, and I I think, I'm not sure that Trump fully understands this himself, that, you know, he he could be, I'm not saying it will happen, but when the trial is underway and if he adheres to form— he could be jailed for contempt of court very easily. You know, it's a different system. So we'll we'll see what unfolds as these multiple cases are gaining traction. If you want to see Donald Trump in prison, your first order of business should be making sure he doesn't get elected and making sure Ron DeSantis doesn't get elected. Chris Lehman, read him at thenation.com. Thank you, Chris. I suppose we'll be talking about this again soon. Uh, Yeah, it is but the beginning. Uh, Thank (laughs) you, John. Always a pleasure. You've been listening to Start Making Sense, the weekly podcast of The Nation magazine. You can hear more interviews like this one at thenation.com, and you can subscribe to Start Making Sense at iTunes Podcasts, Pocket Casts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm John Wiener. Thanks for listening. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you. With professional-grade industrial supplies, count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. 
Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.